Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Steve Rosenblum. We suck, so your self-quarantine doesn't have to. Mark Grody. I think there will be lasting derivatives of this once we get through it, and hopefully we will. Um, with minimal damage, that um, people will be more aware, honestly, of washing their hands and um, good thing. and apparently wiping. Apparently wiping. They suck, so you don't have to. They can do what they have to do. They know what they have to do. Now they don't have any problem getting it done. Founding members of the WB Club. Wake and bake. Come on. Where's Toby? So I'm practicing, you know, social distancing, and I have a few tips for everybody, you know. You know, no sharing pipes or joints, things like that. The three words that describe this show, and I quote, Stink, stank, stunk. It's Saturday Suckage on the score. We should be 670 WSUK. Saturday suckage for you. Saturday suckage here on Chicago Sports Radio 670. The score, Steve Rosenblum. And over there, if he's off his treadmill, is Mark Grody. Mark Grody was going all Khalil Mack this morning during a phone conversation. How you doing, Khalil Grody? I couldn't believe that I was able to. You and I spoke on the phone for about 10 minutes, and usually if I answer the phone when I'm on the treadmill, I know it's going to be about a 30-second conversation because typically the other person <laughs> doesn't really want to hear huffing and puffing from me. But I have to say, man, I carried on a conversation with you for a good, I'd say, seven or eight minutes while I was at about a 6.5 on the treadmill and able to talk to you clearly, I thought. So I'm pretty happy with apparently the shape that I'm in because if one can speak while they're on a treadmill, it either means they're in shape or they need to turn up the miles per hour a little bit. But I was doing 6.5, so I feel pretty good. I feel pretty energized. I needed some sort of adrenaline because I'm low on coffee in the house right now. So um, I'm ready to go for at least an hour here, Steve. Oh, at least an hour. Well, we have three hours, so the last two hours of Saturday suckage could be real suckage. So did when you guys talked to Khalil Mack on his on his 
was a Peloton or whatever workout piece he was on. So if he could talk, does that mean he's not in shape? Or are you in the same good shape to rush the passer? No, he so, was able to talk, so that means he is in shape. That's that's usually a test of one's ability to say that they're in shape if you are able to carry on a conversation. On, But they also say, too, like I said, it also could possibly mean that you are not going as hard as you should. But I think that 6.5, for, for all you treadmill people out there, you know that <laughs> 6.5 is, is a pretty decent clip. Yeah, I usually max out around 7.6. Um, unless I'm doing intervals and I'll crank it up to 10 for a 30-second uh, interval. But 6.5, you treadmill people, you know what I'm talking about. That's that's You should not be able to talk that long. So I'm happy to say that today on August 29th, the birthday, by the way, of the original show mom, Jean Grody. Jean Grody, happy wow. birthday. Today is her birthday. We are converging on her in the western suburbs tomorrow for the big Gene Grody birthday party. But today is Gene Grody's birthday. Mom, happy birthday. I love you. Show mom, happy birthday. Gene yes. Grody, happy birthday to you. That, my goodness, I would imagine she's sending the entire family to different jewels to make sure they bring <laughs> home what, what, yeah. what, to bring over what they need as they converge on her. Wow, happy yes. birthday, Gene Grody. Yeah, I might go to the jewels tomorrow to get her some flowers, you know? <laughs> there you go. That's the way to do it. We, we have become the mom show, starting with show mom, the uh, original mom, uh, Jean Grody. And then we were introduced to Alice, the trash panda mom. And then we were introduced to Mama Thayer, who, um, who told Tom as she was... And he wanted to talk about her and share memories, and she was near the end. And and Tom Thayer was saying on these airwaves that she wanted to explain that the secret to chicken noodle soup was buy chickens with big thighs, because that's where the flavor is. Amen. You get so the fat. Get here. We're, you know? we're the, you gotta we're get... the mom show. Jordan, Jordan Malley, you have a mom story for us? We become the mom show. We're just introducing moms all over the place. Jordan Malley is our producer today. Just as Grody is in for Spiegel, who is in for Espo, who is in for Grody, who is in for God knows who, uh, Jordan Malley is in for Julio, who is in for for uh, Trash Panda, who is in for the... That's enough out of you. That's enough right. out of you. So yeah. anyways, Jordan Malley, let's hear a mom's story. Hmm, good mom story. I guess I could go off my well, own. Well, let's start with her name. What's mom's name? Mom's name is Dawn. Hey, Dawn. Dawn, go away, I'm no good for you. Bum, bum, bum. Well, your mom would understand that. Dawn would understand that song, Four Seasons. I'll say it again, Wonderful. Steve. Cut it out. Stop it. <laughs> <laughs> it's Saturday Suckage. We have, we have a reputation to live down to. So let's talk about mom. We know Mark Rohde's mom sends people to the jewels, and we know Trash Panda's mom updates us on her husband, Shooter, who shoots at raccoons from inside the house out through the open window. So, your mom, Jordan. Hmm. Dawn, tell us about Dawn. Really, come on. Dawn's listening. She knows. Dawn is a teacher, so I could start there. And I know. Oh, nice. Anytime, oh my God. anytime we cool. talk about schools or we're talking about education or reading or technology or anything like that, uh, she's the go-to. But I do, I do have to say that she is very particular about where things go in our house, especially growing up, where things go. And if you're laying, if you've got stuff laying out all over the place, shoes was a big my 
big thing for me in the garage. I just kicked my shoes off in front of the door. Uh, but the minute the minute my mom would walk home, she'd be like, whose shoes are those? Where are they? They're not in the place. And then I'd trip over them at 3 a.m. coming inside, and I'd go, whose shoes are those? And whose shoes are those? Those are Dawn's. Oh, oh, wow, you just outed mom. So oh, there'll be an opening man. in the Mally family for a new son because I think Dawn <laughs> just, John, Dawn's putting Jordan on waivers. Wow. Hey, don't worry. She's got, she's a sec- a she's got another son, too. So uh, well, she's got to she put is. me on waivers. Then I guess Josh is the, the number one then. The favorite. Wow. Yeah, after that. Wow. We didn't, I didn't expect an outing of Dawn. My God. I will tell you this. The, one of the greatest mom, and before we get into hardcore sports, my favorite mom anecdote of all time was, I think it was 2016, I was covering the Cubs, we were on the road, I think it was in Miami, I get on one of the, the buses that shuttles us from the hotel to the ballpark, Joe Madden, first guy on the bus, he's sitting up in the front seat of the bus, I get on and I tell Joe, because this is true, I said, Joe, I just gotta tell you, my mom, Jean Grody, I said, she's a big fan of yours. She likes, she she just likes my mom. I, I just think he's just so positive, and I like the way he talks. And I just, I just really, I just really like Joe Madden. That was my mom, and you could you could hear people saying that because Joe is a positive guy. So I told Joe that, and Joe looks at me and he goes, "Moms are cool," and I'm like, "Yes." Yes, moms are yeah. cool. That is well, they so are. True. That's why we have the mom show. So what what level does she teach? Where does your mom teach, Jordan? She teaches District 204 in Naperville. Uh, She did teach fourth grade and third grade for a long time, but now she's, I think, on her sixth year of being the director of technology and also the librarian at a local elementary school at Patterson Elementary. Good for her. Teaching is the most underpaid, underappreciated, noble profession anyone could go into, and that is our future. Education is our future. Knowledge is our future. Thank your mom for that. Uh, on your way out the door, of course, because you just you, you just got cut, pal. Yeah, you're done yeah, for was, outing. That Dawn. was harsh, man. If if only she could get her shoes out of the way, she'd be perfect. You know. Yeah. Wow. Look at that. Okay. All right. Well. Hi, we, mom. There you go. So, <laughs> anyways, we've done we've done the mom roundup, and that's important here on Saturday Suckage. So here, here are, we have a Cubs lineup. We have a Cubs must win today for no other reason than it's a must win. But we have Cubs and Sox rumors. So here you go. We'll start with the rumors. Then we will get to a guest to talk about part of these rumors. Originally from Mark Feinsand of MLB.com, rival executives expect both the Athletics and White Sox to trade for a starting pitcher by Monday. Padres also expected to be active. That is the trading deadline, Monday, August 31st. From John Morosi, a fan of this show we heard on Mac and uh, McNeil and Parkin show. Yeah. He's with MLB Network. Lance Lynn is a name the Sox are considering. He'd bring a lot. Uh, from the Athletic, Cubs are talking to the Tigers about outfielder Cameron Mabin. Mabin. Now, Mabin's, Mabin's been hurt, but with Sousa's injury and Hayward and Schwarber struggling against lefties, Maven hits right-handed. He's looked at as a short-term answer for that. So there are what you have going on with the two first-place Chicago teams. The Cubs went from 13 and 10, 13 and 3 to 5 and 10. They suck. The White Sox have gone 10 and 1. They are now tied with Cleveland and Minnesota for first place in the AL Central. What a thing, Mark. What a thing. 
Yeah, and I think in particular I'm intrigued by the potential of Lance Lynn, and the reason why is because in watching Reynaldo Lopez very closely again last night, watching the White Sox game flipping between the Cubs and the Sox, Reynaldo Lopez is the exact type of pitcher you do not want pitching in your postseason. You don't want that out there. You just don't. I'm sorry. I, I have I have officially given up on Reynaldo Lopez for this year. Maybe he's still somebody who gets right at some point in time. But this guy was bad last year. He was. I mean, look. Look at if you look at the numbers, it wasn't atrocious last night. He goes four innings, two runs, six hits, struck out four, walked two. But if you were watching the game, you saw that he was constantly missing his spots. He was not throwing the ball to where the catcher wanted the ball, and that's that's not good. And sometimes he got away with it, sometimes he didn't. In the playoffs, when you're not going up against the Kansas City Royals, guess what? You're not going to get away with that. I don't want to see Ronaldo Lopez in any kind of leverage <laughs> during the postseason. No. So no. that that's why I and not even I don't want to hear the oh we'll just put him in the bullpen like that is way too often just the cop out. Well, throw him in the bullpen, I'll be fine. No, no, not that either. I'm sorry, but. Reynaldo Lopez is going to have to get the Jason Hamill treatment from back in the Cubs days where he's fine to start a few <laughs> games, right? But once it gets real, get him out of there and don't make him a part of what you're doing in the postseason. I'm sorry. This is not the year to reclaim Reynaldo Lopez's career. All right. Well, there you go. Reynaldo Lopez, cancel culture. There you go. See ya. Bye-bye. All right, we're going to take a break. When we come back, uh, Evan Altman of Cubs Insider will be here to tell us why the Cubs suck. And to talk Chadwick Boseman. It's amazing how all these things, they all get tied together with one fantastic actor and one sad loss. Uh, We will, sad loss of life, not sad loss of a baseball game. But we will talk to Evan about that. He's Mark Rohde. I'm Steve Rosenblum. This is Chicago Suckage, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. Say hi to mom again. Welcome back. Steve Rosenblum, Mark Grody, Saturday Suckage. We are with you until 2 o'clock. We were talking baseball earlier. We were talking moms earlier. Just waiting to get final word from Dawn Malley that she has divorced her son for outing her about, oh, my God, you just don't do that to a teacher. They have Jordan. They have, they have rulers and they have pointers, and she's got the authority to, dude, you're out. You're out of the family. She has an epic, epic, epic teacher eye. You know when you do something bad in school and every teacher has it, they give you the stink eye? She's got an epic one. Oh, right. yeah. And it's she's, sort and, of a, there's a head right. tilt to it. My mom and dad, both, both <laughs> retired teachers, tilt. a little bit of a head tilt. It's a slight slant down, eyeballs up, and you know what's up. Dude. Dude. All right. Well, I guess we'll be homeless for a while. Uh, we're going to the Alpamonte Ford hotline, Alpamonte Ford in Melrose Park, and we welcome in from CubsInsider.com, Evan Altman. Evan, thanks for joining us today. Uh, no problem, guys. It's always always fun to uh, talk a little baseball. Uh, I think it could probably be more fun if the if the Cubs were maybe playing a, a little bit of a better brand of baseball, but, uh, you know, <laughs> maybe that gets fixed today with two games in Cincy. Yeah, I, was, I said earlier... You Darvish going in the first game of a team that's five and ten. So I wanted to ask you, 
do you think this is a must win for Darvish to show I'm the stopper for I'm that guy? Hendricks didn't do it yesterday. Lester, you're not sure if he can make it that far. Isn't this a Darvish statement? We know it's an opportunity. Do you how much how much emphasis will you place on this start for Darvish? Oh, you know, I I, I don't know if I'm if I'm quite on the must win, although I, I do think this is one that absolutely could be a statement because it's not just a matter of hey they've they've lost a couple now. You know, the Reds are starting to get hot. But Darvish is also squaring off against Trevor Bauer, who, you know, if we were to hold the vote today, those are probably the top two guys in the NL for the Cy Young Award. And, and of course, you know, Bauer is also uh, – he, he's got a little significance just whether it be the World Series, whether it just be how outspoken he is in other, in other ways. You know, he and Darvish are, are not similar in that regard of kind of how they uh, conduct themselves – but just the, the way they're very vocal both ways. And I, I think this is one of those where, boy, if Darvish can step up, get a big win over a really tough opponent, yeah, I mean, I think that really helps to drive the narrative that, you know, because a lot of people still don't know if this is real, what we're seeing. It's been over a year, but, but people still kind of want to find something to really believe in. And I think if he can if he can show out in his first game, that would go a long way towards cementing that and, and I think giving people the the full confidence in him that maybe is lacking from some folks. Yeah, I am glad and surprised, though, that I am at the point where when I look at the schedule after the Cubs having lost three in a row, I'm looking at it and going, oh, good, it's Darvish today. And that's (laughs) not a place that I thought we would ever be in at all. Because it used to be, "Uh uh-oh, it's Darvish. What's going to happen today? Where, where, you know, where will the first five walks occur? Will there be how many three-two counts will there be in the first few innings? So it is kind of heartening that we are at that point. Um, as for Kyle Hendricks, I am not ultimately worried about Kyle Hendricks because he always figures things out. However, when the changeup is not working, Kyle Hendricks looks bad. You know, giving up a couple home runs last night to Suarez and Wanker. Um, he was hit up by the White Sox, although everybody was hit up by the White Sox. What have you seen from Kyle Hendricks lately, Evan? Yeah, you know, it's uh, and, and interestingly enough, uh, that really rough start he had earlier was against the Reds, and it, you kind of have this feeling that uh, that they've sort of got his number, you know, whether that's advanced scouting, whether it's just something about the ballpark. Um, but, it, but it doesn't seem as though he's been hitting his spots as, as well as what we're used to. And, and with that changeup, you know, what's really neat about that and what what I love about the technology that we have now when you're when you're watching the games is you can see and they can freeze that and you can see these pitchers grips and with Hendricks it's so fun to watch that changeup but you know he'll he'll kind of determine where the pitch moves by the uh, the emphasis he puts or the pressure he puts on on one or the other whether it be his middle finger or his ring finger and he can kind of uh, push so to speak the pitch one way or the other but it seemed like he was getting instead of getting that really nice diving motion on it there were a few of those that just hung up there in the zone. And given that he throws so many change-ups, if the Reds kind of knew what to look for and they were sitting on that a little bit, if that thing doesn't get that little extra half-inch or inch of dive, now all of a sudden it gets barreled up. And, and what you see and what uh, what happened to him last night, what happened to him last time against the Reds, you know, Hendricks is going to give up a lot of contact. Uh, the, the key is generally it should be weak contact or it's going to be on the ground. But if he's missing by just a half an inch, all of a sudden a weak grounder, turns into a line drive, turns into a home run. So 
uh, and, and this isn't uncommon. You know, he's generally gone through this, and he'll have those weird rough patches. Uh, a couple seasons ago, he could barely make it out of the first inning half the time. And then once he did, he settled down. Uh, so I, I think this is one of those where we'll see him probably, there's probably a weird little mechanical flaw that he'll go back, he'll correct, and then we'll see him become the Kyle Hendricks of old all over again, and uh, it's no big deal. But for the time being, it's a little bit concerning that he's your, your top starter, and the results just haven't really been there, uh, at least as far as what we're used to from him. We're talking with Evan Altman, CubsInsider.com. Uh, Cubs have a lineup out for game one, uh, Darvish versus Bauer. Happen center field, Rizzo at first, Baez at short, Schwarber in left, Contreras your DH, Hayward in right, Caratini catching, Kipnis at second, Horner at third, Darvish pitching. Horner at third, Chris Bryant's not there. You wrote about Bryant today that there seems to be, some people think he's soft, and you address that, so why don't you share with the class your your points? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's interesting. I think Bryant's one of those guys where, and we see this with other players, he experienced so much success so early that the bar is, is set very, very high and uh, and almost to the point where it's, it's really difficult to continue to clear that year after year. So I do think people kind of get this mistaken notion. And, you know, they see him coming up and they, they see the injuries, they see that maybe he's had to sit out. But, um, but these are pretty significant injuries that he's had. Uh, some nagging, but some pretty big. The shoulder a couple of years ago, that was pretty significant. The knee last year, um, you know, he actually ended up getting a cortisone injection. And I think, you know, people may not understand the extent to which things have to get for you to actually get a cortisone injection. Uh, but we're talking about this isn't the kind of thing that you could just open the medicine cabinet and take in a leave and things feel better for a few hours. You're talking about something really significant. And so if we talk about this latest one, you know, he's got torn ligaments in his ring finger. Um, or, you know, it's a, it's a sprain, right? That's what a sprain is, torn ligaments. And the wrist, the Cubs have been pretty coy on. It, it concerns me a great deal. Anytime we hear hitter and wrist, I mean, think back to Derek Lee, uh, you know, when, when that took place and, and how long it can take a hitter. And, and we've seen that, like, Bryant mechanically just hasn't looked really good, hasn't been able to catch up to those high fastballs. And you got to think, if he's swinging with his arms and kind of keep his wrist out of it, that's really going to hurt uh, <laughs> Metaphysically, uh, not metaphysically, but uh, maybe maybe we can get into some metaphysical conceits. I can bring up my English background, but physically and mentally, um, you know, if you don't feel right, then your brain's not really in it, uh, and it and it's difficult. And, and Brian's a very cerebral hitter, so if that gets in his head, it's going to affect his swing as well. Uh, but I, but I think people aren't really recognizing that you've got a hitter who had to get an injection in his wrist because of the pain. Um, that's going to hurt anybody. I don't care if you're Mike Trout uh, or, or anybody else at the top of their game, Bryce Harper, whomever. So, uh, you know, I think people need to realize that this is something that's legitimate. But uh, it seems like he's trying to work back from it. And if he can find a comfortable spot with that swing, the Cubs could really use him in the lineup because, I mean, he's just another guy who, even when he's not hitting, he's able to get on base well. He runs so well and has great instincts. And he's just a guy who can help him create runs. But, uh, again, I think people need to understand the severity of what's going on here. It's not just a little nick or scratch or something like that. All right. A good thing, Evan, about the Cubs has been lately, and all of a sudden, Craig Kimbrell, as he seems to have found himself, and he is doing it legitimately, getting the the MPH up a tick, 98-99. The curveball is working. So do you think that Craig Kimbrell is here to stay now? 
in that role and at this sturdy level? And what have you seen differently in him? Yeah, I mean, I would like to think, I'd certainly like to hope he's, he's in that role because as, as good as uh, Rowan Wick and Jeremy Jeffress have been in that kind of the two-headed monster, if you can have one guy who is your designated closer, that just helps so much more to set the other two up, whether it be the seventh and eighth, and they alternate that or take it by matchups. It just solidifies things so much more and makes the decisions easier. But you know, the, the big thing with Kimbrell, and it doesn't look so early on, the issue appeared to be possibly that he was throwing from a lower release point. Uh, we can see those metrics, and it just he was looked like he was kind of digging for something to try to regain that velocity, find what was lost. And it clearly wasn't working, but um, there were some other indications, and I, and I haven't really gone back and studied the video very closely, but it looked like his setup was a little bit different with the curveball than what it was with the fastball. And what we saw early on, hitters weren't swinging at the curve, like ever. Um, I think through that game in, in Milwaukee, the, the Friday night game in, against Milwaukee at Wrigley, through that game, he had only generated a total of three swings at his curveball. And then what we saw in the White Sox game when he was able to come on there and uh, he wasn't quite able to close it down, but he got three swings and misses on the curve in that game alone. Um, and, the, and the first few wasn't just swings and misses, just flat-out swings. So he's able not only to keep hitters from guessing correctly at what he's throwing, but he's locating it a little bit better. We're seeing that in the fastball being up in the top of the zone is probably the best thing that we could possibly see because it doesn't matter if you're tipping your pitches or not. If you're throwing a fastball right down the heart of the plate every time, uh, major league hitters are going to tag that. And, uh, and uh, you know, I, I'm not going to say I could hit it. That, that would be really unfair. But, you know, if you guess right, uh, it's going to go a long way. And, uh, and throwing 98 at the top of the zone is a fair bit different from throwing 95 in the middle. And it's just been really nice to see him locate that better. Talking with Evan Altman, CubsInsider.com. You know, yesterday, Evan, um, you shared a tweet regarding your son. And, of course, I'm the father of a former seven-year-old. And sometimes when he was 17, he was still acting like a seven-year-old. But the point is a father of a, a young man. And in the wake of the shocking passing of Chadwick Boseman, who I, I – it's an unbelievable way that 2020 continues to suck that the guy who played Jackie Robinson in 42 died on the day Major League Baseball celebrated Jackie Robinson Day. I mean, it was just stunning. Certainly there were other roles that Chadwick Boseman played, and we'll get to those later, but that's the one that kind of shows up here and meant a lot. I was really touched by that, that tweet, that story. Could you share it on the air about your son? Yeah, the the one about the number uh, that yes. he wanted. That, uh, yeah, so we were. Um, so he's, he's you know he's playing little league baseball and and um, this was a it was a couple weeks back, but you know and, and so most kids obviously uh, I mean his name is Ryan you know he's named after Ryan Sandberg so uh, <laughs> typically we try to find the number twenty three if possible uh, you know he, he likes Chris Bryant there's a the number seventeen but there's a lot of kids who already picked those and everything I said well what what number would you want if you're able to pick out what you could have. And he's, he's like, I don't know. You know, I think, though, he said, I'd like to wear the number 42 for Jackie. And, and he said, it's not retired. It's retired in the majors, but it's not retired in Little League, so I can wear that. And I want to wear that for Jackie. And, and for me, and I'm getting a little emotional telling this, but 
what I thought was coolest about that was the fact that, you know, generally we only reserve the use of first names for people with whom we're familiar and, and people we kind of know. And the fact that he just called him Jackie uh, said to me that he felt kind of a kinship there. And, and I, I just thought that was the coolest thing. And I got a little, you know, I, I got a little uh, misty at the time. And I, and I am again here. I just thought that was really neat for him to kind of understand uh, at least to some extent, the significance that Jackie Robinson played, um, you know, and, and what that has meant decades later for somebody who he certainly never got the chance to, to see play and nor did I, um, but how that's kind of carried through. And, and uh, so I, I was pretty proud of him for that. Every, <laughs> every once in a while, it's, it's either that or, you know, most of the things that he tells me about a new Fortnite skin. So that kind of came out of the blue, like, you know, like a bolt of lightning. It was pretty fun. I, I, the, the, the other part of that story, though, is that he went to the trouble of researching that the number was not retired in Little League. He knew this. He found that out. That's phenomenal. Yeah, it's uh, it's been one of those things, you know, like I said, once in a while, sometimes, uh, sometimes you know, from the mouths of babes. But uh, but that's that's one of those things that he's he's not really into the reading so much. Uh, but when we when he finds some things and, and there's these, you know these little books that he would read in, in elementary uh, that would talk about who was you know and it'll it'll be a famous character and uh, and that was one. Uh, the one about Jackie Robinson was one that he had read uh, at least once, maybe a couple times, which is really kind of rare for him. So to to have that and to see that, and again, you know, I I had mentioned as well that we do a little, we have a little handshake that we do generally night before he goes to bed or before a game or something like that. And the last part of it is the is kind of that Wakanda salute from Black Panther um, that they do. That's kind of how we close it. And and so to kind of have that happen with with uh, Chadwick Boseman and to deliver that news to him. Uh, that that was tough. It was a it was a rough day all the way around. But at the same time, you know, the reason it's rough is because there are these people who have impacted our lives and meant so much to us. And um, you know, so that's I think something we get to celebrate a little bit today. And uh, and I'm I'm thankful for the contributions that those men made. And you know, hopefully there'll be more like them to come. Well, I got to tell you, like it is it is. How old is Ryan? He is eleven. Okay, it is it is Ryan Altman's era uh, generation that is going to save us all. So it's <laughs> it sounds yeah. like your son is symbolic of better things to come. Yeah, I, I hope so. I, I certainly hope so. And we'll uh, we'll we'll see what happens. I guess over the next uh, five, ten, twenty years. But um, but I'm I'm feeling pretty good about this younger generation coming up and and doing better than we did. Uh, and doing and doing better than Steve's did. I don't want to include all of us in the same generation here. Let's make sure we separate these things out a little bit. <laughs> yeah, I, I get, we suck. You know what? I'm here doing Saturday suckage. My generation has just said, "Oh my God, have we left you guys a a whole lot of room to rally?" So Ooh. that's are that's you a boomer, the, Steve? Steve, are you a yes, boomer? I'm not trying. I am. Okay, I am. Okay. I fall into that window for whatever you want to call it. I'm I'm a boomer. I'm a I blamer. I'm a <clears throat> Yeah. Okay. You're a hippie. I am. I am. I'm a belated hippie, though. I, yes. I'm not. Yes. I didn't do that then. Evan, it was. It's a great story. I loved it. Thank you for telling it, and uh, I want to thank you for coming on today and sharing it with us. Hey, no problem at all, guys. Thanks a lot for for having me on, and you know, hopefully, we'll uh, we'll be able to enjoy a little bit of a better brand of baseball here uh, throughout the afternoon and evening today. Yes, and it starts with you, Darvish, and if not, we're going to trade him. Thanks. Appreciate it. 
You know what's really sad, Steve? You know what the saddest part of last night was? This side of uh, Chadwick Boseman was... Oh. Ready for this? Ready for this? It really kind of freaked me out to see this. Joey Votto benched by the Cincinnati Reds. Joey freaking Votto, over his last 18, he's been benched for the last few games. And wow, when a when a great player begins his decline, I find that sad. And it, it Votto seemed like that type of guy just because of his approach at the plate and his contact rate and his ability to take walks. I he was one of those guys who I was like, he's never going to slow down. I mean, with that with that ability and that bat control and and that stance that he has, everything about him, his ability at first base. Joey Votto done been benched by the Cincinnati Reds. Wow. Well, I suspect he'll be back this weekend to torture the Cubs, who just sure. can't get it sure. right. So, um, I, I did want to, I did want to share this on our text line. I, I realized I forgot to you about the the phone number that nobody calls is three one two six forty four sixty seven sixty seven. If you call it, Jordan Malley, our producer for now, unless his mom not only fired him as a son but fires him as producer, but Jordan Malley will play the breaking caller sounder and we'll put you on the air. But that same number, 312-644-6767, will get you to our text line. And here's here's the great thing about the text line, is there's this response, as we were talking about at the beginning of this segment, from 773. I know exactly what he means. <clears throat> talking about you, Mark. I'm a okay. high school principal, former high school teacher. I have a look that could melt steel. My kids don't mess with mess with me. Don't mess around when they get that look. It's reserved for special occasions. Oh yeah! So oh yeah! You've nailed it. That's that's the teacher superpower. They can right. cause you to fill your pants when they look at you that way. Right. When trouble. I get the the math teacher, English teacher, junior high teacher look from my mom, it's a slight head tilt down, a little bit to the side eyeballs straight up and i just fall to the ground i stop drop and roll at that point this is an actual (laughs) emergency i take the 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 bomb position what i get i go under a table and wrap my arms around my head okay all right then that's the nuclear option for you that stop drop and roll so anyways the uh the socks went into first place it was it was a weird way that it happened. It will be wonderful to to retell this story in a season that looks pretty damn remarkable. We'll talk about the latest um, head scratcher, smiling, happy ending, and and a week after, sort of a week after, a guy went and did something you never expected and kind of set a record. That's exactly what he did. He's the first guy. Lucas Giolito is the first guy to do something like this. Yasmani Grandal is is, well, he just made the ninth inning his own in a lot of different comedic and heroic ways. We'll talk about that after this. Saturday Suckage, I'm Steve Rosenblum. He's Mark Grody, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. This is Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com. Chicago Sports Station. What makes you think that winning culture is starting to build? What signs do you see? We're just seeing guys. I mean, it seems like we're never out of a game. Um, we're taking uh, every A-B, every pitch. That we can possibly uh, can uh, seriously. We're, we're taking good ABs. We, we're kind of passing that baton. And then once guys start doing that, and, and you start winning, you start realizing that there's a lot of potential here, and, and there's a lot of things that we can do 
in order to um, get to where we need to be. That's Yasmani Grandal after his walk-off. He walked off the win for the Sox. In yesterday's ninth inning, Grandal personified, was part of the personification of this year's Sox at the end and previous year's Sox in the top half of the ninth. They botched a rundown play. It was a horrible bit of defensive play. It was odd. It was stupid. Jose Abreu runs a guy to the next base. Can't make the tag. Falls on the ground. Throws home. Meanwhile, Grandal's looking into the dugout going, hey, guys, hey, hey. And the ball goes through his legs. And the tying run scores. And the pitcher is not backing up the catcher. Nobody's saying anything. And just like that, the White Sox look stupid. And then one batter into the bottom of the ninth. Grandal makes up for it. Homer, walk off, and they're tied for first place. So that was your, that's your White Sox. There's your rebuilding plan. There's your convergence. What a thing, Mark. You know, they go from, from what they did in the top of the ninth to the bottom of the ninth. It's like, oh, yeah, okay, that's what this team can do. That's why 2020 is better than all the other years we watched this team. Kind of reminds me of when Marion Hosa made a horrible penalty against Nashville, goes into the box, and then comes out and scores a goal. It was yep. kind of in that vein, maybe not yep. as big of a moment, being that it's White Sox-Royals in the middle of a pandemic baseball season. The other part of this was is there was one thing that I was missing when we see Yasmani Grandal looking down the third baseline with his arms up and the ball goes past him. One thing we needed, and I think Jason Benetti is great, we needed Hawk at that moment. <laughs> we needed a, <laughs> no, no, no. You, oh, we needed like that I wish, pure I wish rush. I could cuss. Oh, yeah, that yeah. would have been, it would or, or, it would have been dead silence. <laughs> it would have right. been the hawk. Sat like, we're going to take a break. You know, it, it would not even, like, Stone would have been just left there to explain or not. It was. It would have been, yeah, now the more I think about it, it would have been two minutes <laughs> Oh, yeah. you no, know, I, th- I think I think Stoney would have said, "All you young ball players, if you're pitching and there's a ball in play, you need to back up the catcher. If you're right. the catcher, or, you might right. want to pay attention to what's going on on the field." I, I think he would have done that, and he would have done that in a very Steve Stone way. I think he would have filled that space. But um, but you're right; that would have been <laughs> interesting to hear the hawk moment. But we oh, we're watching yes. we're watching these White Sox. And earlier in the week, we had seen this, this as you go from the rebuild to where they are now, from, from 2019, 2018, 2017, to what 2020 is. And what you saw in the ninth inning was a, a really good example. What you saw Tuesday night was an unbelievable example. Lucas Giolito throws a no-hitter. And he got the def- couple defensive plays that every pitcher needs in that no-hitter, but it was when you know what a good guy he is, when you've seen the way he has comported himself, but more when you've seen his career arc. And you, in 2018, he was called the worst pitcher in baseball. Maybe, maybe not. He had the worst DRA, 6.13. Nobody who ever had, since nobody ever, whoever had the worst ERA or an ERA over six, had ever gone on to throw a no-hitter later in his career. And when you see what, Leo, what Lucas Giolito went through, you can understand this was this was part of what the Sox have done. It's not just rebuilding with players, but the players have rebuilt themselves. He's a perfect example of that, mentally, 
physically and just what he he represents. You can see that young veteranship there that the guys would follow him. And from the worst ERA in baseball to a no-hitter, it's just, it's very Sox 2020, don't you think? Yeah, and it's incredibly rare in general when a player, pitcher, whatever the case may be, turns turns it around like that. Especially, I'll just keep it at starting pitching. It's rare when you see that drastic of improvement. Now, he had the pedigree, obviously, having been a number one pick for the Washington Nationals back in the day. So it wasn't like he was some obscure guy who you didn't think had a higher ceiling or higher potential. But it is rare when we see a guy turn it around like that and do it legitimately and do it while they're still young. Sometimes you get spasms of goodness out of guys later in their career, guys that had high ceilings that were disappointing earlier in their career. But this is a case where you have a guy who is still in his prime who turned it around just when you started to think he might be a bust. Yeah, yeah. That was it. It's. It, I love those stories. I root for stories that people always ask, you know, who, who, what are your teams? Who do you root for? And in this business, if you had teams that you rooted for as a kid or you had teams coming in, it, it often becomes you root for stories. That's my experience because that's what we deal in. That's what we do. That's what people really like. Stories. And yeah. what a story the White Sox are writing now. It started off 1-4. and four. They've gone 10-1 and one in their last 11. They're tied for for first place and there's no reason to think they won't make some kind of deal as rumored for a starting pitcher as we talked about earlier and Lance Lynn is the first name a lot of people are, are bringing up the the idea that they are they are here they're they are a team that has find, found ways to rally in different ways and I think the GM who rebuilt us I have no doubt Rick Hahn will make every effort and will actually pull something off I don't think he's going to sit tight I think he sees an opportunity. I think Jerry Reinsdorf sees an opportunity. I think this is the way they go about it. From all that rebuilding, all that rebuilding, suddenly I think it's going to be Kenny Williams' mentality of go for it, go, go, go. And I think Rick Hahn's going to do that by Monday, trade deadline. Yeah, I hope so. I mean, Dyson's a nice little pickup, but that's all it is. It's a nice little pickup. He's your he's a, he's your speed guy. You know, the Cubs always used to add that speed guy when they were in contention, and that's all Dyson is. So that is that is a minor minor deal. You need something that can of of consequence. You know what's amazing about the White Sox? Would they hit another three home runs last night? There are teams in Major League Baseball that have more home runs than the White Sox. What? How is that even possible? I, 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 I should have looked it up before I started, but I heard on the broadcast somebody saying that the White Sox were third in Major League Baseball in home runs. I'm like, wow, they just hit a million home runs in their in the last two weeks of their existence. How in the hell is it possible that there are teams that have hit more home runs than the White Sox? But it's true. It's happened. Well, it gives them something to shoot for. Uh, yeah. We'll take a break. When we come back, we'll we'll go to football. We'll talk some football. The the thing is, we will never get away from Chadwick Bozeman. His career is, is today's show is all about his career as an actor and things he's done. We talked to Evan Altman about him in in forty two and Evan Altman's terrific story about his son wanting to wear forty two and knowing it wasn't retired in Little League. Well. Guess what? There's a whole lot of football in Chadwick Boseman, whose tragic passing occurred last night. And so we'll tie that in with with what our um, our alleged National Football League team from Chicago is doing today and what they have been doing. Saturday suckage. We suck so you don't have to. 
Bears quarterbacking situation apparently is immune to our abilities, unfortunately. I'm Steve Rosenblum. He's Mark Grody, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. Listen to every MLB game live. In the deep left center field, it is high, it is far, it is gone. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. And watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field, it's going to go. Alvarez ties the game. Subscribe to at bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.